This morning we're going to continue our series on that theme of Give Me Jesus. And I wanted to look at that thought of keeping our eyes upon him and what is most important in life. Um, well, when we say life, like what, what's most important in eternity, because we realize when we say give me Jesus, we're saying give me something eternal, what matters for eternity, because our goal is, is heaven, right? And, and it's something we have to keep our eyes upon and lay hold of. And there's some, there's one specific thing in the scriptures that, or that the scriptures tell us to remember concerning heaven, to keep our, our mind upon. And, and it's that God rewards those who faithfully follow him. God is a rewarder of those who follow him and endure to the end. And, you know, when we consider the great men and women of scripture, they had a motivation in their heart. They kept going because there was something burning within them that kind of motivated them to continue. At least that's how what we're told in, in Hebrews, right? That great faith chapter of Hebrews. Um, you know, we see the these people like, like Moses saw all the pleasures of Egypt available to him, but he forsook it. He didn't look to that. And in fact, we can read that in Hebrews eleven twenty five. It says, Moses cho chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of re the reward. He had a respect. He had an understanding of the reward. And other translations put it that he was looking ahead. His eyes were fixed upon the reward, upon the prize. And so here's a picture of what motivated Moses to give up everything. And when we say give up everything, he gave up some a good, pretty good life, right? I mean, back in that day, life could be miserable as, for better word, a peasant, right? You know, peasant in... Uh, um, in Egypt, right, life could be tough, but there's Moses living as a prince. It's a, but how it's worded, it's like he didn't even think twice to give all that up for the reproach of Christ, you know, from a New Testament perspective. He, he considered the reproach of Christ so much more precious than all the treasures of Egypt because he had an appreciation of the reward, of the prize. And so he gave it all up by faith. Right? In the Old Testament, it's like he kind of like skedaddled out of there. He fled. But from in Hebrews, we, it says this in verse 27. He says, by faith, he forsook Egypt. He, he fled by faith, not fearing the wrath of the king for, you know, he wasn't, he didn't flee in fear. He didn't, he didn't fear the king, what the king was going to do. But he fled by faith because he feared God. And so God spoke to Moses to leave, and he did so. It says, seeing him who is invisible, not regarding the treasures of Egypt, because he had laid hold upon a hope and a desire for something eternal, for an eternal reward. Uh, you could say an eternal inheritance in God. And that's what his eyes were upon. You know, we see others 
in this faith chapter. You know, we can think of Abraham, Father Abraham in Hebrews eleven eight. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should have after received an inheritance, he obeyed. He wasn't going to receive the inheritance right away, but he obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he, where he went, not knowing where God was leading him. And to the great unknown, you could say, in verse 10, but here's his motivation, for he looked for a city. He wasn't looking for a city that was there in Canaan at the, at the moment. There was, they were all ungodly. But he was looking for a city which has foundations. The, the, I think the connotation is eternal foundations, whose builder and maker is God. And so Abraham had something in his heart as, as he was going out by faith, leaving his family and everything he knew. He was going out by faith because he had something in his heart that he had apprehended, it was a vision for a heavenly city, for a city of God. Um, you know, so it seems that 4,000 years ago, Abraham probably had a vision of, you know, perhaps the new Jerusalem. And he saw that. And we have yet to see that, right? We're still looking for that, waiting for that. But it's, it's as if he saw this city uh, and he saw that, his place in that city. And he saw that that could be his inheritance if he followed God. And so he did it. And he went out, you know, not knowing where he was going to go or the plan and how, what was going to take place. But he understood that as his reward, his motivation, you know, to continue many years, not seeing, not, not even receiving the promise. He died without receiving the promise. In that sense, he just, you know, his whole goal in life was just to, to birth a son and then he passed on. But yet he had that vision of what would, what would come as, his, as the father of our faith. Another example in scripture, we looked at this recently, but I, I, could, I was trying to think what message we looked at this in, but I know there was one, but uh, in Job, Right, we think of Job and the dark trial he went through. Job 19 and verse 25. Here was his outlook in the midst of that dark trial. I know that my Redeemer lives. I mean, he, he was saying some other stuff that was pretty downcast and despondent, <laughs> but that he slipped this in as it was an anchor for his soul. But I know that my Redeemer lives and, and he will stand at that lighter day upon the earth. God is good. There's going to come a day when he's standing upon the earth. And though I die and, and worms destroy this body and yet in my flesh, I'm going to be, I'm going to be standing there with God. I'm going to see him with my eyes. I'll see him for myself. My eyes shall behold him and not another. You see, he, he had that picture of God standing upon the earth. We assume in the millennium and him standing there with him that that was his place, that was his vision, that was the promise that God gave him as he was faithful and stood, you know, held on to the righteousness of God. That was his motivation. That was his treasure, his reward that he would not let go of. And it, it kept him to a degree. I mean, God, God had to do a work in him in that trial, but yet that kept him. 
You know, there is power in knowing or having a sense of what God has for us in eternity or our reward. You know, it's not that he's necessarily going to show us a vision of us in the millennium. I mean, that's great. In fact, I mean, I actually know someone who had a, a vision of themselves in the millennium. Um, someone in our fellowship shared a dream they had, and they actually saw um, Zion Fellowship Waverly in the millennium. And um, they actually saw uh, Pastor Bailey, our founder there, with his wife, Audrey Bailey. And they were there um, and they, along with them, and they, they, were, they saw themselves working and in the millennium. And I'm sure that was an encouragement to them, something to, they, to keep them in life. And so we can ask the Lord, Lord, what do you have for me in eternity? And we don't know what God will share, specifically share with us, but he can put something in our hearts that can be a motivation, that can be our reward, that we can hold on to. Lord, you have something for me. Something so precious, it's better than all the treasures of Egypt. And I'll hold on to that and not let go. And God wants to do that so that we can set our eyes upon heaven. And like Job, you know, it can help us go through the trials of life or Abraham, help us wait patiently for the promise. And even though we don't see the fullness of the promise, it can cause us to hold on. And in reality, the concept of of having a, a, a realization of our reward is, is really, it's in coming to know the Lord. And back in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, it says, But without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, right? We have to believe in God to come to him. That makes sense. But I think it's kind of strange that it says we have to also believe he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. That's a prerequisite for pleasing God. And that, that's kind of strange when you think about it, right? You think that, well, we just have to be faithful. We got to be obedient. We got to, you know, come by faith. But God says, but you know, there's something you have to believe about me. You have to believe that I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. It, that's like a prerequisite for coming unto God, for pleasing him. We can't just believe in him, but we have to believe that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Because, you know, the Christian life is going to be full of times where we have to diligently seek him, diligently keep asking, keep knocking, so that the door is opened unto us to keep enduring in our trial unto the end. And there's one thing that we're going to really need. It's that firm belief in our hearts that God is a rewarder and that it's because it really what it says, it's worth it. It's worth it to follow the lamb wherever he leads us because he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. You know, Jesus tells us something else in his uh, sermon on the mount. In Matthew 6 and verse 19, He says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust does corrupt and thieves can break through and steal. You know, that's the ultimate end. Anything valuable in life, God is, there's nothing that lasts forever in this life. 
that won't be destroyed. It's all going to go. There's nothing we can take with us anyway. But instead, focus on what we can take with us. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. And here's the key, verse 21. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that kind of tells us something even further of why we have to believe that God's a rewarder because if we set our heart on that reward or set, set our, you know, that is our treasure, then our heart will always be after God. He wants us to obtain treasure, a reward that will last for eternity. You know, it's not out of a wrong motive. We don't follow the gospel just so we can have a bigger bank balance in heaven, right? And then have that competition. That's not what it's about. but that we, that we have a longing in our heart to receive what God wants to give to us. Psalm 35, verse 27, the Lord says, He has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. He has pleasure in the prosperity of His servant. Now, He's happy to give us things we need in life, but His real joy is to give us things for eternity that we will be prosperous, that we'll be joyful, that we'll be satisfied with what we achieve for eternity as we follow him and diligently seek him. And so he's saying, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our heart is there. And that's really what, what matters. You know, where, our, where is our treasure? If it's in the things of this life, then that's where our heart's going to be. It'll always just be focused on the downward angle, right, of the things of this life. And there's, there's no eternal life in that, from that perspective. Right? We think about the rich man and Lazarus. Remember that story? The rich man had a pretty good life and Lazarus had a pretty miserable life in that sense. I mean, it's... You know, I don't think the point is that God wants us to have a miserable life like Lazarus. You know, he just had some difficult experiences and God used his life as a contrast to the rich man. But then when they passed into eternity, what happens? The roles were reversed and the rich man was in the lake of fire and Lazarus was being comforted because he had a relationship with God. He followed God. And so the rich man is crying out, give me this, that, and, and the other, and so forth. And what does Father Abraham say? In, in your lifetime, you received good things. Basically, you received your reward in life. Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And so this rich man received his reward in life. And you know what? We can receive our reward in life. Because our heart is there. But if our heart is on heaven, then our reward will be in heaven. And so, you know, we have to have our hearts set upon the things of heaven, desiring the things, you know, wisdom that's described as more precious than rubies and the knowledge of God better than any precious jewel that we can obtain, any treasure 
And when that is the case, then our heart will always be on the things of heaven because that's what's valuable to us. And so we can have a reward in heaven. You know, there's, there's literal things that God desires to give to us in heaven. Matthew 19, verse 29, that if we, you know, give up houses and family and lands for God's sake, we will receive abundantly more in this life and in the life to come. You know, there will be things that we have to, to give up in the sense that because we're no longer looking down, we're looking up. So obviously there's things we have to give up in that. But yet in looking up, we receive so much more from God he is a, because he is a rewarder. Remember a story uh, a minister shared uh, how God called him and his family into the ministry. And in so doing, they had to leave a church that they loved and they had very dear friends in that church, but they felt God was calling them on and it was it was a sacrifice in that, that they had to give up those relationships, so to speak. And But he recounted, as they moved on in God, God rewarded them. And he said that they went into the ministry and, and their testimony now is they have more brothers and sisters around the world because they've gone and ministered around the world than they ever could have before. Like they had a new family. They lost a few friends, but they gained a huge family in Christ. And, you know, that's the case in following the Lamb. We, we lose a few things, but we gain so much more. Jesus also said in Matthew 10 and verse 42, you know, another aspect of our reward Whoever shall give a give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water in the name even just in the name of a disciple, one of one of my servants, truly I say unto you, he will in no way lose his reward. And it's the idea that God remembers every little act of kindness, every good thing we do in the name of the Lord, right? in the name of his people, that there's an eternal reward. And you know, people have had visions in heaven of, of, of the, just the rewards that are given. And, and I forget who was saying, I've heard this story recounted in many different ways, but someone had a vision of heaven and they were surprised at how every little good thought or deed or handshake or word of encouragement was remembered in heaven. How many of us remember you know, when we shook someone's hand or just gave them a word of encouragement, it's out of our mind and we've forgotten, but it's not out of the mind of heaven. It's been rewarded or it's been re recorded and there's a reward waiting as we focus on doing good and blessing others. The Lord wants to, re to remind us that there is a reward and it's worth pursuing those things to lay up treasure in heaven. Proverbs 11 and verse 18, it says, To him that sows righteousness shall be a sure reward. Those who do what's right in God's sight, or as Jesus said, those who do right and then teach others to do it, or they teach others to do it and do it themselves, there shall be a reward, a sure reward. And so there's the reward based on 
righteousness following God's ways and doing what's right. Remember the uh, young lady had a dream and in this dream she was taken to heaven and she was shown the heavenly houses of her parents who were in the ministry. Um, and I believe at that time her father was, either he had gone on or he was about to go on and his house was almost fully built in heaven. It was just beautiful. And then she saw her mother's house and her mother's house was not quite finished, but still mostly built and very beautiful. And then the angel took her to her plot and it was just a pile of lumber and it was kind of small. And she's like, what happened? Where's my house? And the angel basically said something to the fact that, well, you haven't sent up enough material yet. You have to follow me and invest in the kingdom of God and do good. And I'm sure that stayed with her because she shared that story a lot. But there's that, that concept that when we invest in others and doing good and following God and obeying him, even though we don't see with our natural eyes, we can know that there's a sure reward in following God and being faithful, not being weary in well-doing. But, you know, we can look at that. We can look at jewels and houses and, and stuff. But in reality, that's not our ultimate reward, is it? Or even the real motive. I mean, if, if we only had that in, but didn't have Jesus in heaven, it would be empty, wouldn't it? Because in reality, Jesus is the true reward. You know, we can see from the three men we mentioned earlier, the reward that kept them going was not just something they were going to get in heaven. In reality, it was their proximity to Christ. It was that, oh, I see a city where Christ will dwell, and that's where I'm going to dwell too. Or Job, oh, I see the Lord standing, and I'm going to stand with him. That was what really motivated him. I, I, don't, I don't know how much motivation to get through a deep, dark trial. Well, I've got a house in heaven is going to be compared to, but Jesus, I want to be with him for eternity. That's my reward for being faithful and unto the end and following the lamb wherever he led us. In reality, it's our eternal relationship with Christ that is the true reward. You know, there was someone who was sharing that God spoke to them I thought this was kind of unique. God spoke to them the name of the street they will live on in the New Jerusalem. And, you know, I think that was just the, the totality of what they understood, but yet that just the name of the street implies a lot. It's like, you mean I'm going to make it there? <laughs> that, you know, that is before them as a goal, as the reward. Oh, that means I'm going to live in the New Jerusalem where Jesus lives close to him. And I'm sure that's something that is their motivation through the storms and the trials and the difficulties. Put something in their heart to lift their eyes to heaven instead of down to earth. And so in reality, our reward is Christ. As he, as he came in the Old Testament to Abraham and declared in Genesis 15 and verse 1, he said, fear not, Abram, for I am your shield, and I am your exceeding great reward. 
Jesus is the greatest reward we can receive. But, and we're, we're wrapping it up here, but, you know, we, we do have to insert something in this message of our reward because there's warnings in the scripture. Second John 1 and verse 8. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. You see, we have to look to ourselves that we lose not those things because we give up or we take our eyes off of the vision, off of the reward. You know, so, you know, we can believe at one point that Jesus is a rewarder and then get discouraged and say, well, I haven't seen that reward anywhere and take our eyes off. And we run the risk of losing those things that we have done for Christ or followed him because we follow another pathway or we don't receive a full reward because we take our eyes off of the Lord. You know, a minister had a dream. Sorry, I'm putting so many dreams in here, but um, he had a dream about a person in his church who at one point in his ministry, he, this, this got his right-hand man in his church and helped him and, and so forth. But then this man at one point got offended and he left the church. And I'm not sure if you must have gone to another church or whatever, because in the dream, he saw this man restored again in relationship to the pastor. And, and, and this dream he saw that was in heaven and they were walking in heaven and they were enjoying heaven together and fellowshipping with each other. And they came to a gate. There was an angel at that gate. And the pastor, uh, or you could, the angel beckoned the pastor to come through the gate and then as this man was going to follow the pastor, the angel said, no, you have to stop. And the man was not allowed to go through the gate. And the angel said, it's because you were disqualified in your life because you didn't follow me in this, that, and the other in the certain areas. And he was disqualified from coming through that gate. You see, he didn't receive his full reward because he went off. And so there's that, that, you know, you could say that aspect of the fear of the Lord. Lord, bring me into everything you have. I don't want to come short of your plan for me, of your reward that you've planned for my life. You know, it's like the, the parable of the talents. You know, there's the pounds and the talents. The talents was where everyone's received an equal measure. Speaking of, of everyone has the same opportunity in life to follow God and obey him. And, you know, it's that thought of faithfulness and obedience. And the, the servant that took one talent produced 10 for his master. And kind of speaking of the full reward. Another produced five and another produced zero. Nothing. You see, we want our heart to be, Lord, give me a full reward. Help me to be faithful. Sometimes it's a battle. It is an absolute battle to keep our eyes upon God and continue. I think about J Jacob wrestling that angel. That was a battle. I mean, literally, you're wrestling someone. That's, that's one of the hardest forms of, 
you know, battling there is wrestling and, and Jacob just doesn't wrestle him for like 10 minutes. So he wrestled him till the breaking of the day. And no matter how hard he fought, Jacob couldn't win. He couldn't get the ascendancy and, you know, over this. And he just had to, and we know that because he just had to keep wrestling. All he did was not let go. He didn't let go all night. And, you know, sometimes we can battle in certain areas and it doesn't seem like we're winning, right? <laughs> Maybe it feels like we're losing, but for somehow we're just able to keep on wrestling and not let go. But, you know, sometimes that's the best thing we can do to be like Jacob. Just hold on and not let go. Don't give in. You know, what we're doing is holding on to the mercy of God. Lord, I'm believing in your mercy that you're going to meet with me. You're going to do this thing that I'm asking you for Jacob's sake. He, he needed to change. He needed a change of name, a change of character. And because he held on and he didn't let go, God met him and changed him, his name. Now we can close with this thought from the Apostle Paul here. One last verse. Philippians 3 and verse 13. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. I count not myself to have finished and gotten everything. I'm still in this race with you. But this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. I forget all the difficulties. He had a lot to forget in his life too, right? I mean, he... He had a lot of persecutions against God's people, but he said, this, this is the thing I do. I forget those things which are behind. And I reach forth unto those things that are before me. His mind was upon the reward. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You know, that's our model. We forget, you know, we haven't yet apprehended. If we're still breathing in this life, we haven't apprehended yet. So we don't allow our eyes to get fixed on the present, on the things of Egypt, to get distracted. But we also have to forget what is behind. Past experiences, difficulties. But instead, we set our eyes upon what God has for us for eternity. And we continue. And we hold on to that. Now, like the song says, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back. That's the model that God has set for us. And so, you know, we can pray, Lord, give me a respect for the reward you have for following you and walking in your way. Maybe we need a refreshing of the vision. Lord, would you even just speak something to me? And, you know, you never know what God can show you. We've sought examples of dreams people have had or just quickening. I mean, who, who would have thought someone would say, Lord, encourage me, and then they tell you where you're going to live in the new Jerusalem. You know, God can do it in any way to quicken us and encourage us, give us something to hold on to. And I would encourage you to do that. Say, Lord, give, help me to set my eyes upon heaven. Show me something that will keep my eyes fixed upon you that will keep me. And God can do that. Lord, give me respect, a reverence for your reward so that I can hold on to you.
And Father, we do ask that. Lord, we pray that you would strengthen us to be a believer of who you are, but Lord, help us to also believe and to hold fast that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so we pray that, Lord, that you'd quicken us, that you'd strengthen us like Jacob. Lord, if we're going through difficulty, help us to hold on and to keep wrestling and to, and to not let go until the breaking of the day when you would touch us and change us and cause us to lean upon you and rely upon you. Lord, just do this work within us. Lord, let us have that vision of heaven that like Moses, we would, Lord, cast aside any thought of, Lord, the inheritance in this life, but that our eyes would be upon our heavenly inheritance. Oh, Lord, cause our eyes to be fixed upon you, that we can dwell with you for eternity, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.